I don't think consumers differentiate between 85, 95, and 90. People only differentiate between zero and hundred. At the top, there's only room for one, right? I believe in India, 80% of celebrity usage in advertising that I see is not thought. Creating is easy. What to create is a million-dollar question. Hi, you're listening to Marketing with Vani, in which I speak to marketing gurus. Together, we decode how marketing works in the real world to grow your business. Imagine yourself stepping inside a store and instantly getting transported into the happy, magical world of fairy tales. Avneet Mann and her friend Vivita wanted to create this experience for Indian women. So, they relentlessly pursued this idea and turned it into a successful brand that's the wishing chair today. After acing a corporate career for 8 years, including working as brand manager for Bosch & Lomb, Avneet started the wishing chair as a lifestyle retail brand in the home accessories and gifting space. The store is a dreamy little world where every product has a strong creative and feminine aesthetic. It's a great place to pick out gifts if one is looking for something unique. From product design and development, diversifying retail channels beyond marketplaces to using email marketing to grow their customer base. In this episode, Avneet shares with Vani some of the secrets that have helped this T2C brand grow. So, Avneet, thank you so much for being on this show. It's lovely to have you and thank you so much for coming home. You're most welcome. I'm very excited. Okay. So, I want to tell you on wishing chair, uh, after this I will show you each, each and everything that I have in the various corners of wishing chair. I absolutely love your store. Thank Tell you. me, after so many years of being a physical outfit, you decided to go online and you created your own website. Was the website something new? Was it created post-COVID or your, has your website been around all along? Has most of your focus been offline, online? What mixes it and how has it changed? Tell us about that. We definitely started as an offline store. We started first in Shahpurjat and then we built our store in Gurgaon and Bangalore. Uh, offline was a focus area. We did start dabbling a little bit with e-commerce in 2018, 2019, but it wasn't something that we were serious about or really focused on. But once COVID came along, we had no option. Hmm. We had to move like everybody else. And now, what I would say today, we're 55, 60% of our business is online. And that's the focus because we've understood the power of e-commerce and how quickly one can scale and how you can reach parts of the country which are not possible with stores. Having said that, I feel like that both need to coexist. I see our stores more as an experiential marketing, touch and feel, mm. storytelling mm. kind of a format, as long as they also support their cause. And e-commerce is our way of taking the brand forward and reaching the entire country. That's a very, very important point you make, Abhi. So you're saying that physical stores have their own purpose, which you just detailed out. And online helps you increase reach. Yeah, for sure. And when you say online, is it all your website? Or when you say online, is it primarily marketplaces like Amazon? So we haven't really been on marketplaces before last month. Uh, so when I say... Before 50, last month. Yeah. Last month, as recent as that. Yeah. So when I say 55 to 60% of our business is on our own website. So we are truly D2C. Fantastic. So that's another thing. Actually, most people say D2C even when bulk of their business is from yeah. marketplaces. That doesn't qualify to be called D2C. Correct. And you talked about how your stores have a role to play, which is that's where the consumer comes to experience the product, experience 
the brand that yeah. is the wishing chair because you walk into this store i remember when i was at pepsi and a lot of us used to always run to the wishing chair store every time we wanted to buy a farewell gift or a gift for a colleague who's just had a baby for all kinds of gifts we'd run to the wishing chair because the wishing chair is like an experience you walk into this fairy tale sort of an outlet and everything just seems so beautiful everything is perfect everything has a very very strong design sensibility you can see that the brand is so well put together and i must compliment you what you achieved offline is what you achieved online as well i love your website when i scroll on your website i feel you've been able to successfully recreate that experience tell me about that because that's a very very big challenge that founders face how do you keep the brand experience consistent across offline and online it's a big challenge so i feel like the brand ethos in my head and my co-founders head as well as our team is really clear so when we're called the wishing chair we're named after an enid blyton book hmm. a, a, oh lovely a, yeah. i didn't know that so it's called the adventures of the wishing chair which we both read as kids and what we loved about it is this transportative vibe that it has that you sit on this chair and you go to these magical far away places which are really far from hot and dusty delhi that's when we had kind of thought about what is it that we wanted to be so given that ethos of what the wishing chair should mean and as well as also taking into consideration that we wanted creative expression for ourselves yeah. and for the customer lovely so every product has to have some kind of a twist of quirkiness to it which makes it special for her and that's also what we wanted to bring on the website mm. and hence the website it is what it is so in my head when i think about the wishing chair customer that why does she come to us or what does she want from us we think of her as an artist mm. we think of mm. her as creating some kind of self expression in her home in her gifting in her styling mm. in her insta pictures mm. which express something about her mm. so hence every product every interaction website stores all lead to be an extension of this persona of an artist beautiful and that's how it kind of comes together and tell me something on your website one is of course i see a very very strong consistency of the visual grammar that you've achieved what the stores look like the way you've done the stores as well as what you've got on the website but apart from that i also see that there is a lot of content stuff that you've written that feels like you said out of a fairy tale book it feels like uh, it's out of a lady blighton book how do you do all of that is that something that you guys you and devita your co-founders is it something that you tightly control yourself is it a lot of what you yourself do or is it stuff that you outsource and if you are outsourcing it then how do you keep that consistency it really feels like everything has been done by someone who's so deeply passionately involved in it Well, we're a very small team, hmm. so there's not that much outsourcing that hmm. is possible or giving to other people to do. Also, as you know, retail margins are a challenge. We're a bootstrapped company. We have to make money every month to ensure everybody in our team is paid. Our vendors are paid on time. So yes, Vivita and I do end up taking a large part of the workload. But the thing is that what we've tried to templateize is this emotion, this feeling, and our team. has also been with us for a while so they also get it i don't believe that you can outsource content and product and then still have a consistency it needs to be 
done in-house in my belief mm. and hence we try to keep as much of the creative part in-house but we do outsource things like the tech and the logistics and the financial accounting mm. and those mm. kind of things things which are not core to the mm. business and the storytelling beautiful now tell me you've got this banking new website <laughs> what should one keep in mind while building an e-commerce enabled website how does one do it right what was your learning journey like what did you learn as the must dos so this is the fourth time around that we've done this website so i wouldn't say that wow. hey we got it right the first time we've also learned the thing about websites as e-commerce that i've come to understand is that there's never a perfect website every day you learn something new that is not working and that needs to be fixed or something that needs to be changed or optimized so how i see e-commerce is a continuous optimization game where you start is from your customer journey what is the customer why has a customer come to your website because there's something that they are looking for you need to ensure that the customer finds that as soon as possible in the lowest amount of clicks and is able to ensure that he, she or he can order it without any hindrances or questions right so if you have to plan the customer's journey from say i want a mug right to being able to order a mug how is that going to flow right and once you are able to map that out in terms of wireframes and putting together where the journey will go category wise then it's easy to build out so things like the website needs to be really super fast and load quickly it needs to be mobile optimized because everyone's browsing on their phone the navigation needs to be simple enough for a person to be able to find what they're looking for and lastly the product on the website should look like what they're actually going to get so that there's no hindrance and if the customer has any questions how easy it is for them to ask a question get a solution and then move to check out fantastic so there's something agni you are essentially a beauty product beauty in the sense it's all about making things beautiful making life beautiful now this is not an essential product i go to amazon to buy a bath rug i go to amazon to buy let's say a doormat or whatever so i'm going to amazon to buy something specific that i need and then i get out so i need that interface to be really efficient look for what i want find it at the lowest price looks decent quality buy and get out now in your case a mug maybe but isn't yours actually just about coming and doing a little bit of ladi la and let me look around and isn't it also pretty and let me see it's not really stuff that i need need Yes, there are some things you need, but a lot of things you don't need. Our website also serves as a point of inspiration. If you see, like in the last two years, there's been so much focus on making your house more beautiful, making hosting beautiful. Yeah. You want the gifts you give to say something about you. So what we're trying to do is to ensure that whatever we put out there is inspirational and aspirational for yeah. the customer to buy. That a little bit of this says something about me. It helps me identify with. this creative person that i think i am yeah no but i'm saying in the website what you spoke about what you spoke about was this really clean consumer journey i come looking for a mug i've been able to find what i came looking for i'm assured that the mug that i'm seeing on the website will be exactly what i get i'm able to quickly proceed to check out pay and get out right but if i as a founder it's in your interest to make sure that she hangs around that yes. she also buys a little of this and most of what we buy to make the house is, beautiful is all impulsive right yeah. so how do you marry the two that in the sense that you don't come across as being i mean you don't sort of 
not have a structure and at the same time you're able to tempt her so what should the logical flow be like like where do you put is there learning on where should you put best sellers is there learning on while you're looking for mugs should you also check out blah 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 what so what we do generally is we segment the customer into a first time like a new visitor and a repeat customer hmm. a repeat customer we would focus more on things like what is new available basis when she came last time as well as cross selling that if you've got this category then all these other things from this category are also now available to you whereas for a new person coming in their focus would be a lot more on here are our best sellers here's what we do best this is our story this is how we started out this is how we produce our product this is what we stand for whereas on the repeat customer it's all about what else you should have basis what you already have and oh here what else is new hmm. so that's how we segment the two and what software what platform do you need do you use to get all of these email and to get these analytics so we are hosted on shopify we are big fans of shopify as a platform for e-commerce right. and there are various apps that are associated with it which we use to help understand the data and also google analytics is is a great tool okay and all of that you are able to manage in house No so the tech is managed uh, like we've also us the tech in terms of anything that needs to be developed and built but the marketing and the data analytics yes is in house okay wow and what part of your team in house is dedicated to the e-commerce business so there are two parts one is the digital marketing part of it then there's the cataloging people who are putting everything new things up every day and the third is the visual content mm. because in the home space contextualizing is very important the mm. customer has to be able to see how i can put this in my house how mm. can i use this mm. so there's a two people contextualizing team which is constantly taking pictures creating videos mm. creating cues on how the person can use it so there are three different segments three very different nice, people very nice. actually come to think of it you could even use a you could even run a crowdsourcing program where you are able to crowdsource from consumers yeah how they have used something that they've bought we have an app a ugc app which they call user generated content yeah, in yeah. e-commerce where it pulls the photographs from instagram of how people are using it and uploads it on the product page wow wow there are many such apps available in shopify okay and when you're saying on the product page you're saying on your own website hmm. yeah you, you take permission from them that can i use this content it will help others and if they agree then it uploads it very nice very nice okay okay now i'm going to change tack and i'm going to talk to you a little about email marketing so now this is about email marketing i love the emails you write sometimes i Thank find you. them very very long yeah. but but i love it and i wonder how is it that you're able to see i mean i find that if i happen to even by mistake click on a cushion cover then you guys are chasing me oh <laughs> you like this cushion cover then you must like this 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 also and check out our embroidery and check out this so that's one aspect of it but otherwise i also love the fact that a lot of your emails are just generally about life and they seem to be very very open about what's happening in yours and viv's life and in a sense i feel like even if i hadn't known you personally i would have gotten to know you as a person through your emails which is also something that you wonderfully do between what your website captures what your products look like and what your emails read like so who does your emails and how do you manage that and how much time do you spend on it and how are you able to write as much so first tell me about the content and then tell me about how do you manage the email analytics okay 
repeat is a large part of our business and the one good way to engage your customer your repeat base is through emails especially with cacs going up so much with facebook and apple and they're fighting hmm. so what we've done is that we've divided emails into two parts promotional hmm. as well as a newsletter from the co-founders hmm. the newsletter from the co-founders which generally goes out on the weekend hmm. it's called the delights of distraction it's hmm. something we started when in covid it was mostly vivita and me sharing stuff with each other to keep ourselves feel inspired and distracted with when you were in your respective houses and yeah, you were literally like, like writing letters to each other to keep each other sharing links and yeah. things to inspire us and to keep us going so that the continuous doom scrolling that was yeah, happening yeah, with yeah, the news yeah. and then this idea came about that why don't we share it out with other women because i'm sure everybody's feeling the same way and that's how it started and then the response to it was so overwhelming wow we get so many emails every week we try to respond to all of them to every newsletter but sometimes we're sorry so people just... write back yeah like hundreds of women write back wow we have a list of about 25000 and what kind of stuff do they write back what do they, they say there's a lot of notification that they feel the same way or we shared stuff that they were already feeling but were not able to articulate some people really appreciates the links and the recommendations we send out that they learn something new from it some people write in to say that it's just amazing that how someone takes out the time to do all this without trying to sell me something because wow. every other email yes. that a very brand nice. sends wow very nice yeah hmm. hundreds wow and that's something that really keeps us going because we're like okay we're doing something right hmm. so yeah. that's really helpful it does take a lot of time Luckily Vibhuta my co-founder is a great editor she, like language comes so beautifully to her so we are able to express ourselves also we feel that as 40 year old women in the world trying to navigate this big bad business world and understanding how things work there's a lot we can share with other people because everybody celebrates the success but nobody looks at all the stuff that goes, goes behind. behind it How so nice. we feel that that's something we can share with the world so we do it and it's really gratifying that's lovely and you said you have an email base of 25000 yeah 25000 and growing who we mail three times a week two promotional emails and one is our newsletter and on what platform do you manage so we email? use a tool called klaviyo Okay. Uh, it syncs with Shopify so all our customer data from Shopify sits in it it's great for segmentation it's an expensive tool but we think that it pays for itself mm. and uh, so hence that's what we use how do you say it pays for itself in what ways do you say that that the business generated because it has great analytics so the business mm. that every every click is tracked mm. every sale from after that email is tracked mm. so the amount of business that's getting generated from email marketing pays for the tool wow because it's a fairly expensive tool for indian especially now with the dollar being as shitty as so you're able to yeah i know <laughs> so you're able to from the email marketing so you're saying when i send out an email for example if i'm recommending new cushion covers to you you're saying that women actually then go click on that and then from the email they land on the website and end up buying that's how yeah. you're saying the email yeah. marketing is paying for itself and you're able to see the link Yeah so basically there that you can set up a one day one day tracking or a seven day tracking that from the day the lady the customer opened the email to if she made a purchase it tracks and tells you that this email you sold this much this is what you sold this is who you sold to and this is the amount fantastic fantastic okay now i want to know we coming from the world that i do which is from this fmcg world the world of unilever and racket 
where in all global companies we have this thing called the brand book okay it's the bible for a marketing head and we look at that for guidance on everything what colors to use not use the typography illustration style photography style what's the past of the brand what is the visual language what is the sensorial language all of that is there something of this kind that you have by way of a document that exists in the company or is this just something between you and Vivita you just have such a great understanding of the brand that you're not worried about the documentation you just feel it comes naturally to us and we know what the wishing chair is about no so we do have a manual in terms of brand colors and fonts and do's and don'ts it's not as detailed as it would be say at a unilever where even how the like every detail of the yeah, color of yeah, the and yeah. the combinations and yeah. the yeah. what sweater the girl would wear those correct. kind of things we correct. don't have correct but uh, it's pretty clear in my team's head that when you put five products together or you put five visuals together that this is us and this is not us wow. so, so the template in, is pretty pretty clear in our heads and in our understanding but we do have documentations on fonts pantones sizes combinations of and was it something that was done by an external agency for you is it something that yes. you developed in house no we worked with an international designer long back she's a colombian person who helped us put the brand manual together lovely and you felt that there was a need for some such thing at what stage did you feel that i need to engage this colombian i need to put this together i need to spend money on this activity before we started wishing jay very clear consistency is important i also worked in brand earlier. of course of yeah. course so, so this was your training at bosch and yeah. thing that yeah wow that so has to even happen. before you started the wishing chair you actually did this yes the brand identity we did the whole exercise before fantastic wow okay one last question which is on your instagram following you have crazy number of followers and you have a 256000 256000 that's amazing how long did it take for you to get there a, a long time instagram we started in 2014 okay <laughs> so okay, uh, wow. yeah but it's legit it's been built one by one it's not something that we put out crazy amount of ads and bought because we didn't think that means anything the person has to believe in what you're doing they have to love what you're doing and then only will they buy into your story mm. but uh, being a small business not having the kind of budgets that large companies have for advertising hoardings etc social media has been the single biggest driver in our ability to build our brand so we take it really seriously we post consistently we ensure the aesthetic is on point last few months have been a little hard on on facebook and instagram because the algorithm is really volatile so we're not understanding what is going on we're trying to figure that out but uh, the only thing i would say is that it takes time and you need to be consistent mm. we built it how many posts break. a week do you do so we'll do one post a day and three stories one post a day and three stories every day yes wow that is a lot yeah and w- with your current merchandise so you yes. find new ways of using your current merchandise yeah. and yeah you need to contextualize then there are some lots of topical things that one can talk about yeah. and then there are various you can repost user generated content where yeah. other people are yeah. posting but you need to be present every day you need to be consistent a day should not be missed and you need to answer every query that comes on instagram every comment that somebody puts out there wow. and a lot of people say that hey find me an intern who can do this or find me an yeah. agency i don't think that works it wow. needs to be in house and it needs to be controlled by a person who is a brand custodian lovely lovely because i have also had founders complain 
saying oh my brand manager has become a social media manager wo to kuch aur kar hi nahi rahi hai wo to khali post kar rahi hai but you're saying that that is of tremendous value because my brand is that what you see on instagram is a large part of what we are because now in today's day and age that's the first interaction most people will have right. in fact i've seen my own behavior when i look up something instead of going on google first i'm first checking out a brand on instagram it's my first go to to check out that's interesting and tell me when you did choose instagram in 2016 did you think about facebook as your being your primary platform we started with facebook first and right. that was our primary pl- platform but soon we realized that everybody is sort of starting to move to instagram so then we were doing both and at that some point the engagement on facebook just kind of really went low and now instagram allows you to repost everything you post on instagram to facebook so we've set mm-hmm. that up so everything we put on instagram goes to facebook but instagram is our primary way of marketing is a primary channel fantastic and from instagram you're able to take people onto the website yes and you're able to track that as well and you you do analytics on that as well to see yeah. what so, kind of posts are getting you what kind of traffic yeah so instagram has good analytics i wouldn't say they're great but they're good but from instagram shopify then will tell you that uh, who came where what happened and as well as google analytics so it's a great tool as a small business is one of the best tools out there available to bring traffic to your website though it's getting harder and harder in d2c because there's just so much clutter in the last two years okay fantastic one last question yet again <laughs> because getting traffic is the biggest i would imagine to do for you as a founder right at the end of the day the same woman can buy only so many cushions and so many mugs at the end of the day you need more number of consumers to discover the wishing chair uh, in all of that you do what do you do to be able to attract more number of users for you i would imagine trial lists is the single biggest deliverable having lots more people coming and discovering the wishing chair and finding that one beautiful thing that they can buy in the house and bring some part of the wishing chair into the house for the first time yeah so obviously we are focusing a lot on performance marketing so as to put the brand out there in number of in front of new prospects we are trying to work with small micro influencers especially yeah. in the home space and help them seed the product to their base and community last month we've also signed up with a few marketplaces because that's where the customer already is so if we can be found there then that would help we're also trying to do tie ups with other stores across the country to see that if we can do small shop and shops or placements over there so these are the various things that we are trying and we're also hoping at some point we would like to be present in other countries so like the middle east is something that we are really thinking about taking our brand to So we feel that that would also open up a new avenue and a new market for us. Very nice. Have you ever considered traditional marketing? No, like not TV, but a newspaper or hoardings or We would love to once we have the budgets. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that you're averse to it. No, of course saying, not. And I, can I ask as of now how much money do you spend on performance marketing month on month? We spend about 14% of sales. 14% of sales on performance marketing alone yes. but this would not be your total marketing budget no but it's a large part of our budget wow large part of our marketing budget wow and would you ever consider a possibility of reducing or skinning some part of this performance marketing budget and putting it into offline even if that offline means driving traffic hyper locally 
from where your stores are. If you have a store in South Point Mall, Gurgaon, how can I drive more traffic from around that to be able to come and discover the wishing chair? Of course, we haven't found a format yet that kind of works for us. But if you have any ideas or anybody listening has any ideas, we would love to try it. I'm a big believer that you have to try a hundred new things hmm. in very small ways hmm. every month hmm. and find what works, then hmm. optimize it and optimize and optimize it so hmm. that you can scale hmm. it. Hmm. So I'm a big believer in that and always open to trying hmm. anything. Do you do any kind of analytics in the shop itself? Is there any kind of data that you collect in the shop itself to figure who's coming to my shop? Is she a first time? Is she a repeat? So what we do have is that our online and our offline data is linked. Fantastic. So if we know who's a person, if she shopped online before, if she shopped offline, the same data is visible to the store manager. How is that? So for example, just last week I went and bought that vase from your shop and she asked me for my mobile number. And then as soon as she put my mobile number, was it mobile number or email ID? Either. It can be either. And then she said, ma'am, we have your data. Yeah. yeah. So we have a backend system, a tech stack, which allows us and our store managers as well as our digital marketing person to see that how a customer is interacting with us because the customer doesn't see my shop as different from my website correct, correct. for them it's all the same correct, so correct. i can't treat them separately either correct so the person who's interacting with them should know where she went last and what she did so that information is in- integrated and available across because a person might buy a gift card online for right. somebody and that person might want to redeem it in the store right. or she may have bought something online and said, I want to exchange it in the store. So we have to allow for all of that because it's the same brand to her. Hmm. So hence the data we collect syncs between the stores and online so as to ensure that we're an omni-channel offering to the customer. Beautiful. So you're saying that the store manager would have visibility to the fact that Vani has bought blah, blah, blah from the website. Yes. Wow. And then she would do what with that information? So she can initiate a conversation with you that last time you bought this and how did that go? Oh, we saw you bought this table cover. We also have napkins with it now along with it. So there's cross-selling that can happen. There's also engagement. Also a customer, when she comes into a store like ours, needs to feel seen. Hmm. She needs to feel that she's being catered to. So that can only happen if the store manager has access to information. Hmm. Otherwise... It's just another body that is walking by and walking out. So we don't want her to feel like here, we're just here to sell to you. Exactly. So it's not a transaction. You matter to me. And I know what your worldview is. I know where you've transacted or what's important to you or what interested you. Yeah. I see you. I'm here for you. You're my friend. You're not a consumer. You are, let's say, Payal Singh, who's interested in blah, blah, blah. You're part of our community. We get you. That's what we want our customers to feel in our stores. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, one more thing, which is this thing, since you took the word community, what is a community to you for a brand that sells mugs and cushion covers and table mats and whatever else? What is the role of a community? So how I see community is my customer is me and I am my customer. So all my challenges, all the things that I think about, all the things that are out there, all the things that I need, there are lots of women out there who think the same way or feel have the same challenges, or especially in a similar age bracket, right? So a connection between them, to me, is community. That's what we try. But to- how do I build a connection with someone else who's bought table mats that are very similar to what I've bought? 
Yeah, so what we're trying to do that with that, we're trying to actually solve for it in terms of a user-generated content kind of a way. Because a lot of the time, a woman is confused that will this work for me or yeah. not work for me. But if somebody else puts it out there to her that, listen, hey, I tried it, it really worked for me. Yeah. Then that helps with that purchase. So what we're trying to do is build that. Also in our newsletter, we try to put together information based on what other people are sharing with us. So that there's this feeling of I'm not alone in the world. Yeah, very nice. So that's very what nice. we're trying to solve for that that I am you. Like what you need is also what I need. Right. My challenges are also the same. Right. That is how we're trying to solve for other than just saying, hey, let's make a Facebook group where everyone can yeah. just kind of yeah. ask questions and answers. Because I think there's already so much of that that's happening. Lovely. I think there's so much in this space because when it comes to making your house beautiful, actually in the daily stresses, it's you always feel like you're bereft of ideas on what you could do. There are blind spots created in the house. Like in my own house, I feel if an outsider were to walk into my house and look at it, they'd say, why is this spot so dark? Or why don't you clean up this mess? Or what if you were to brighten this up with something? And I wonder if the role of a community, the wishing chair community could actually solve for stuff like this. Of with- course. And also it's overwhelming, right? These are purchases which are not necessarily cheap. And Mm -hmm. there's a whole thing that will it work? Because design is also iterative. We have the ability to keep changing it in the store and all. But if you bought it for your house and you're like, hey, I already paid money for it. Now it doesn't look good. I don't know what I'm doing. So if there are people out there who are inspiring you, who are contextualizing it for you, who are giving you ideas on how to use it, then that helps build that confidence that you need saying that hey I saw it there it worked for me Mm. it worked for her so it could work for me Mm. so let me go out and get Mm. this so that's also something that a a role that the community plays very nice on that note thank you so much it's been lovely chatting with you thanks Vani thank you for having me it's been a privilege thank you this episode was brought to you by Cherry Peach Plum Vani and her team of marketeers and problem solvers at Cherry Peach Plum help businesses solve a wide range of growth challenges by utilizing proven marketing playbooks. Get in touch with us via cherrypeachplum.in if you want to take your brand to the next level. I hope you liked my show. And if you did, please do consider subscribing. I also have a YouTube channel by the same name, Marketing by Vani. Please do check that out too. Thank you. So I did screw up. My YouTube channel is called Marketing with Vani, the same name as this podcast. 